As the weather is turning and the calendar is changing and the school year is getting underway, we're beginning to get back into rhythms. My family is beginning to get back into a rhythm. School has already been going for a couple of weeks for us, but we are just now feeling like we're starting to find a rhythm. And we recognize that the school year and the year in general has different seasons and has different rhythms. And so as we were talking as a pastoral staff a few months ago, we said, you know, as we get back into the fall and people are finding those fall rhythms, let's let's take a few weeks to talk about who we are as New Life Church. And so we decided to do that last week. We had the end of summer outdoor service. It was the last chance for sun. And so we took advantage of it. And we talked about what is our identity as New Life Church? Who are we as New Life Church? We are, are those who engage with those disconnected from God so they may delight in him through Jesus. That's what we are about here at New Life Church. And we talked about that last week from the first chapter of Colossians. In the next four weeks, we will be talking more about what is our identity as New Life Church. And we're going to be taking excerpts from the book of Colossians to do that. We could have taken excerpts from any part of the Bible, just about, in order to communicate our identity and who we are because it's so connected. It's not, it's not so radical You know, who we are as New Life Church is not so radical that there's not a Bible passage that speaks to it. In in fact, it's so fundamental that we can do this every year and pick a different book of the Bible every year. And I think it would take like 66 years or something before we'd run out of books of the Bible. But but this year we're doing Colossians. And so the pastoral staff is each taking one of our identity statements. Malachi, would you help me out? I would love for every uh, couple or family to get one of these. So Malachi is going to go around. These are our identity booklets. We came up with these three years ago, I think. And so this is version 3.0. They were not even printed yet. And we thought of ideas for improvement. So 4.0 will be coming. But, but this is what we've got right now. And I'm going to orient you to the book while Malachi is handing them out. The first page is just a welcome page. Then we have our church mission statement. Our church mission statement is to engage people disconnected from God so they delight in him through Jesus. That's the mission of our church. The next page after that is our identity. And we have a little diagram about our identity with delight in the middle. We feel like delighting in God is what we, are, what we do. And then the way that we do that Uh, expressions of that who we are is in our identity statements we need the gospel we engage as missionaries we serve as a team we live life together those are are the four identity statements and so the next uh, section of the book unpacks that a little bit Uh, then after that we have the vision the way our church is structured and the way that we engage, right? Because if we are a church that engages with those disconnected from God, then, then that's how we do that. Uh, and it, we talk about how we do that as a church, as a congregation, as life groups and individuals. And that gets you through the book. So, so you can look at this, um, but I'm going to begin to move into uh, right in the middle of the book. We serve as a team. We serve as a team. That's our identity statement for this morning. We will, uh, in the next couple of weeks, 
uh, Pastor Tim will come and talk about uh, living life together, and uh, Eric Estep will talk about engaging as missionaries, and Taylor Reevely will talk about needing the gospel. But this morning we are talking about we serve as a team. That's that's our identity statement for this morning. And so as I was thinking about we serve as a team, I was thinking, uh, what are areas in which people serve? Right? Where, where are things that people do acts of service? And they do acts of service maybe uh, in their community, maybe at, at the community center or at the library or at a park or something like that. Maybe they do acts of service in the schools or in some local charity or organization. They, people do acts of service. And, and there are lots and lots of reasons for which people do acts of service, reasons that they serve that they would make it a priority to say, you know what, I don't just want it to be about me, but I would like to uh, serve in the community. And I was thinking about, okay, some people do this because of uh, a sense of civic duty, right? If I want to participate in my community, then the reason that I would do this is I would want to serve in my community. And and they have a, a civic duty to do that. Sometimes people do it because um, it's the kind of person they wish they were. I wish I was the kind of person who served. And so then you find some opportunities to do that uh, so that you could be the kind of person that you wish you were. Sometimes people do it because they want to uh, earn something or make up for something. They, they feel like they have done something or, or they want something. And, and the only reason that they would really deserve that is if they were to serve, right? Or, or they, they have done something in their past and they think, you know, the only way I could make up for this is if I just serve like crazy to make up for all of the wrong that I have done. Some people uh, have received and are just so grateful and indebted for the ways that they have been served that they just want to give back in that same way. And some people just surely do it out of pride, which is a weird thing, right? Because serving is a lot of work. But there's something about it that you just, you serve for the recognition of the service. And I, I've seen this from time to time, but I, I think the, the thing that stands out the most to me is there's a quote from the, the show The Office with Michael Scott, which if you've ever seen The Office, you're familiar with, with Michael Scott. And he, he was being interviewed and he said, you know, when I retire, I, I don't just want to disappear to an island somewhere. I want to be the guy who gives everything back. I want to be like, hey. Who donated that hospital wing that's saving so many lives? Um, well, uh, I don't know. It was anonymous. Well, guess what? That was Michael Scott. <laughs> but it was anonymous. How do you know? Because I'm him. <laughs> and, and there's, I mean, it just, the realism of that. You know, I'd really love to do this anonymously so that it can be just out of the goodness of my heart, but also get the recognition that I did it. And that's what it's coming across here. There's this pride that that people serve because they appreciate and want the recognition that comes from serving. 
Okay, so all of that is how people do it. Why do we serve? Why do we say as a church that we serve as a team? That's something that we do. It's an identity that we claim. This is something that we do. We serve in the church. At the beginning of the book of Colossians, in chapter 1, uh, verse 9, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. Paul helped start the church at Colossae. He was the missionary that went and evangelized in Colossae. He helped build the church there. He's writing now. He is left there, but he's writing encouragement to them. And he says uh, in verse 9, We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul says, you know, we came to you and we gave you the gospel, the good news that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Anointed One, the Chosen One of God to save the world through His death and resurrection. And we came and we told you that. And now, having received that truth, we want you to participate in the body of Christ. That is the church, the community of believers. We want you to participate in that. So that you might be filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that you might walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord and fully pleasing to Him. That in everything that you do, every work that you do, you would bear fruit. To the glory of God. So he's writing to them and he's saying, this is what we pray for you. Every time we think of you, this is what we're praying for you. That this would be the case. And then he goes into this whole thing about how preeminent Jesus is. Verses that that just lavish praise on Jesus, not because they are uh, superlatives or or just uh, grand descriptions, but just he is um, the image of the invisible God. He is the creator of all things. Everything was created through him and for him. And by him, everything is held together. He upholds everything by his hand. This is who Jesus is. And yet God saw fit to reconcile the world to him and through him. So that in all things he might be preeminent. He's even the firstborn from the dead. Jesus' death, crucifixion, burial, then resurrection so that he would be the firstborn from the dead so that in everything he might be preeminent. And he describes this about Jesus and says, this, this is our Savior. This is our Lord. This is what it means for us to believe in him. Therefore, now he says in verse 24 of chapter 1, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. That mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. 
Paul says, I'm, I'm so delighted because of who Jesus is and how great he is and all that he has done for us in calling himself, calling us to himself and dying for us, sustaining us, encouraging us, enabling us. Now, therefore, I am delighted to suffer on his behalf, on your behalf, to fill up all that is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And you go, hang up, time out. What was lacking in Christ's afflictions? What was it exactly? I mean, he was, he was mocked and betrayed and abandoned and beaten and hung on a cross where he died. What was lacking? Only this. The communication to every person in the world of what Jesus had already done. And that is the service that Paul was doing. Paul's service, therefore, was to communicate, to suffer in any way necessary to communicate all that Jesus had done so that they, the church, might grow into full maturity and proclaim that same truth to one another and to the world so that all might grow up into the fullness of Christ. Verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known, that mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. When we talk about serving in the church, this is what we're talking about right here. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Does that mean that every single aspect of ministry is warning and teaching? No. But every aspect of ministry is supporting the warning and teaching. It is only in churches that have lost their way that serving in the church does not result in these things. Where serving in the church means merely keeping the lights on or keeping things moving so that we can do church. But if we're doing church in a biblical sense, then the way that we are doing church is we are warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We do that together. For this I toil, Paul says, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Have you noticed that this is now the second time that Paul says he struggled or suffered on their behalf? Can I just right now do away with the notion that serving is easy or fun? Very rarely do you talk with somebody who says, you know, I serve in the church because it's so fun. That's not to say it's never fun, but it's never always fun. I was talking with somebody that uh, was asking me, I, I've served on the PTA a couple of times, and uh, one of the things that I know about myself is if I don't have an official role, I'm not going to be there. 
Not because I have to have the recognition, although that doesn't help, uh, doesn't hurt. Um, but because if I don't have to be there, then though I am well-intentioned, I won't show up. And so I was the PTA president for a year, and I was at everything. I communicated about everything. I, there, I was in all the emails, all the decisions, all the meetings, all the everything. I was there because I cared about my kids. I cared about the school. I wanted the school culture to be impacted and make a difference in my kids' school. And the next year I went, that was a ton of work. I'm going to just back off a little bit and not be the president, and I'm just going to attend the meetings. I missed all of them. Every single one. And so I signed back up again and said, okay, I'm going to be the PTA secretary. And so I was there at all the meetings and doing all the things so that I could serve and be there because I had to be there. And this year I get another year off and I'm, I'm committed. At least one. <laughs> but I was talking with someone this summer and they, they said, I, I've seen the way that you... Uh, participate on the PTA and she goes I don't know how you do it she goes I just I don't have time for that I work and I'm busy and I, I guess uh, maybe you, you just have more time than I do and she said that's what I would think except that I see that you are a pastor and I've seen that you have five kids and I know that you're involved in other things too and so I don't know how you do it and I said you know that's the reality is that just about every person on the PTA is a full-time parent and a full-time, uh, working full-time. And they do it because they want to sacrifice and love their kids that way. They're struggling for suffering on behalf of their kids. And what Paul is saying here is, I am working according to the energy of God that is working within me, powerfully working within me. And I am struggling with all of his energy for you because of what he has done. It's a struggle and it's suffering, but I am doing this. For I want you to know, he says in, in chapter 2, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. He says, I, I want you to know that this is a huge struggle for me. I have worked so hard for you because I love you. I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why? Why would we serve in the church? It is because we recognize that God is so glorious, that Jesus is so wonderful, that all the riches of wisdom and knowledge are found in Him. That we want to see every person in the church grow up into full maturity, and so we serve so that that can happen. Some people serve in a really upfront kind of a way. They're leading things, they're teaching things, they're, they're out there proclaiming. Other people are, are doing uh, behind the scenes kinds of things, the, the cleaning and the setup and the making possible all of the ministry that is done so that every person from the smallest to the tallest, from the youngest to the oldest, all of them can grow up into the maturity of Christ. 
That's why we serve in the church. There are a lot of reasons that people don't serve in the church. They're too busy. That's a big reason. Some people feel unqualified to serve in the church. I, I don't even know what I would do. I don't even know how I could help. Some people feel like, well, there isn't really a need for me. Somebody else will do it. I grew up in a church where one of the elders um, would get up almost every Sunday morning and do announcements, and he would say, our church is a sucking hole of need. We need you to serve because our church is a sucking hole of need. And I had really mixed emotions about that. Because it just sounds so depressing. (laughs) Yes, as much as you want to serve and give, you will never give enough to fill up the need that is our church. And I just went, you know, that just doesn't inspire people. (laughs) The reality is our church is not a sucking hole of need. It does not have to use up everything that you have. However, it can use up everything that you have. There are opportunities of all kinds and shapes and sizes for you to serve. All kinds of ways for you to encourage other people. Places um, that are very public, places that are very behind the scenes. Places that, that are leading whole ministries and places that are encouraging individuals. He said, Paul says, I do all of these things. I have struggled on your behalf that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. As I was thinking about these things and I was thinking about Paul, I I was looking at our church, right? And what, what is the statement that I'm supposed to be speaking about? That we serve as a team. People serve all over the place all the time. It, and when they serve, it is a very personal thing for them. Sometimes a, a selfish thing for them. Sometimes just an individual thing for them. But one of the things that... that Um, I feel like makes us unique is that we really emphasize serving as a team. One of the reasons that people get burned out in serving is because they try and serve as individuals and not on a team. And when you're serving as an individual, you can pour out all that you have and you feel like, okay, that was it. Was it enough? And when it wasn't enough, you despair. Because you've got no one alongside you to pick up the load and to share the responsibility and to be accountable with you about whether or not it gets done. And so at New Life Church, one of the things that we want is for every ministry to be done as a team. 
We want it to be a team thing. And, and we start that way from the top, from the, from the pastoral staff and the way that we structure our church. We are not an individual congregation. New Life Church is multiple congregations working together to reach multiple communities. The pastoral staff gets together every week on Tuesdays to pray for you. When you write on the back of your connection card, the prayer requests, the elders and the pastors get together and we pray for you. We do it as a team. I'm not trying to share, I'm not trying to bear the load of praying for all of you all by myself. I share that with the elders of this congregation and with the pastoral staff of New Life Church. When we're talking about preaching, I don't do that all by myself. I know it looks like it because I'm standing up here and there's nobody else on the stage with me. But the reality is I get together with the the other pastors and we talk through the sermon. We talk about it ahead of time when we're setting up the schedule for the, the sermons that we'll, the sermon series that we will be doing and we talk about it and we plan it and we say this is what we're going to do. And then we get together for preaching meetings on Thursday afternoons. Having done our own individual prep, we get together and we talk with one another and we say this is what I'm thinking and the other guy goes, that's no good. Well, what do you have? Well, this is what I have. Oh, that is better. But what if we changed it this way? Oh, that's even better. Well, I hadn't thought about it that way before. Well, I have this question that I haven't come up with an answer to about this part of the text. Oh, I have an answer for that. I wish, I only half wish, but I sort of wish that you were in those meetings with us. I think in some ways you would be very encouraged because we talk about so much that is so encouraging in those meetings. I kind of don't want you to be there because it's sort of the, the um, messy part of sermon prep. And so I'm glad that you just see this part. But the reality is we do that as a team. The worship team, they function as a team. They work together. We we try and do that for the children's ministry team, the global outreach team, the facilities team, hospitality team. We, We want every ministry aspect of New Life Church to be done as a team. And when I was thinking about that, I was going, but we're talking about Paul here. Paul's like the guy. He was the missionary, the church planter. He he wrote like 13 books of the Bible, give or take a little. Right? He he wrote all of these things and he did all of this stuff. Paul was the guy. And then you start looking back and go, oh, wait a second. Paul wasn't all by himself. If you look back at chapter 1, he says, him we proclaim. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Paul wasn't by himself. In fact, at the beginning of the letter, he was talking about Epaphras who had come from Colossae and who was meeting with Paul. And when we get to the end of the letter, then it just gets beautiful. It gets beautiful because we start talking about the team. And you start realizing that Paul didn't do anything by himself. He didn't plant a church by himself. He didn't do ministry by himself. He didn't even write letters by himself. He did it as a team. And when you start thinking about all of the things that Paul did, and you start realizing, wait a second, I don't remember that there any ever being a time when you just said Paul. There was Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Timothy, Paul and Tychicus, Paul and John Mark, Paul and Luke. 
Paul and Paul and Paul and. But there was always an and. Never a Paul by himself. And so when you look at at chapter 4, he's writing his final greetings. In verse 7 it says, Tychicus will tell you about all of my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and he may encourage your hearts. And with him is Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Here are these two guys that they are going to bring the message back. They're going to, to, to talk about, this is what Paul's doing This is the ministry that's happening over there. We want to encourage you because you sent us to encourage him and to support him. You sent Epaphras to encourage him and support him. And we want to tell you about all the things that are happening over there. So that when uh, Nathan and Sarah Pilate come back to visit, uh, for a surprise visit, and they say, this is all of the stuff that's happening over there. You sent us over there. We're we're part of New Life Church and being sent out and we're doing this ministry and we're doing this together. And so now we're coming back to report on the things that are happening there because of things that are are being done here. And so we've come back to encourage you. He says that's what I've sent Tychicus and Onesimus to do, that they will come and they will encourage you. I've sent them to you for this very purpose, that you may know who, how we are, and he may encourage your hearts, and with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. He sends them to be encouragers. Then he goes on in, in verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have already received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, they are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a great comfort to me. We we serve as a team so that we can be more effective than we could be as individuals and to be encouragers of one another. Do you know how encouraging it is as a ministry leader to have somebody come up and say, can I help? I have never known a ministry leader to go, no, get lost. Every time that somebody comes up and goes, can I help with that ministry? The ministry leader goes, oh, please, thank you. Thank you. And then they come and they tell me, so-and-so just volunteered to help. I am so encouraged by them. Are they a really good volunteer? Not really, but they are there. They mean well. They're trying hard. You don't have to be super great. You don't have to be amazing. You don't have to be gifted or have special abilities in those things. You just have to have a willingness to serve. And go, I'm going to participate in this body of Christ. I'm going to participate in this group of the people of God to encourage and support. And I am seeing ministry that's being done. And I don't even know how I'm going to help, but I want to just show up and encourage them. Some of you encourage people just by writing notes. Man, that's a huge encouragement. I just want to write notes and thank people that I see doing things. That's a huge encouragement. 
I, I'm just going to sign up. Every time that I see a sign-up sheet come out for bringing meals to somebody, I'm just going to sign up to bring meals. That is a huge encouragement. It's a really practical way of caring for other people. Sometimes you hear about needs in the church and you go, oh, I, I, that's not really me. I really want to serve in my area of gifting and calling, which is great. It's great to, to serve in the areas that you feel most passionate about, most energized by, most able to do. But you know what? There are other times that we just serve because we love the people. And it's outside of our ability area. It's outside of our giftings and our passions. And we go, you know what? I'm just going to serve in Iwana because I love Emily. Totally legit to do that. Totally. Sometimes we try and make it more holy or something than it needs to be and go, no, no, I really need to only do this. I want to put everybody in an area of service that they are passionate about and gifted for because they thrive there. I love that. I would love to put everybody in one of those and in one place where it's just a sacrifice. Where you're just suffering for the sake of Christ. Because you love Jesus and you love the people that you're working with. And because you're seeing the fruit of the ministry that's happening. Do you know how many times I have seen people volunteer to do something that's way out of their comfort zone? And they got into that position and they went, this is amazing! Sports camp. Somebody signs up and goes, I can't do sports. I can't do kids. I don't know why I'm signing up. But I am. And they show up and they come away and they're like, that was great. I had so much fun. It was so wonderful to see those kids and to see their growth and to see all of that stuff. It was awesome. I've had other ones that go, I am so glad that week is over. Sometimes it surprises you because it becomes an area of gifting or passion. I've seen people sign up for children's ministry. They're going to help out in Sunday school. They end up becoming a teacher. They end up loving it. They find out this is something I'm great at and I love. And sometimes they just serve there because somebody needs to fill the gap. He says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And Jesus, who is called justice, these are the only ones of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a great comfort to me. They've just come alongside. We want to see every single ministry be successful. And so sometimes you have a ministry that you're really passionate about and you want to lead, and other times you go, I just want to make your ministry successful. I want to do whatever I can to help you be successful. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. He's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Doesn't that sound so much like Paul in chapter 1 saying those same things? We pray for you. We pray for you. It was him and Epaphras amongst, among others who are struggling on their behalf in prayer. In prayer. 
please, please be struggling in prayer for the uh, for the good of this church. It is a huge encouragement to have people ask, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for the ministries of the church? What's happening right now? I'm, I'm going to pray for you. You pray with them right there. You pray with them in your closet at home. You, you pray with your family at the dinner table. Just pray, pray, pray. Struggle on behalf of the ministries of the church. That we may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For Paul says, I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Be connected with one another. Know what's going on with one another. Encourage one another. Support one another. I I have found that people will get involved in a ministry and they get tunnel vision. And they'll come and they'll talk with me and they'll go, this is, this is the most important thing. We have to figure this out because this is, this is the thing that they're seeing. This is the ministry that they have their eyes on. And so suddenly that has become the most important thing in the entire church. It's the thing that they're involved with. And you know what? Every single time it's something very important. But there are many things that are important. And we want to be helping one another so that our eyes open like this and we go, okay. I need help with my thing and other people need help with their thing and I can help them too. So that everybody, all the ministries in the whole church rise together. Some of you are uh, solo ministry people. And you're really struggling and you need to, to call people, ask them. There are people sitting here who are going, you know, I have been thinking for a long time that I should get involved in the church, and I just don't know how. Nobody's ever asked me to do anything. And you're sitting there as the the ministry leader, and you're thinking, I just wish somebody would help me. And do you know how we get those two people hooked up? The people who are sitting going, you know, I've been thinking about getting involved, and I just don't know what to do, should start asking, hey, what can I do to help? And the people who are tired because they're trying to do it all by themselves should start asking around and going, hey, does anybody want to help? Would you help me with? People come to me all the time. Can you put an announcement in the bulletin? Yeah, but I don't know why you want to do that way. I'll put an announcement in the bulletin. Three people will read it. (laughs) The reality of that statement is too real. (laughs) Three people will read it. One person will remember tomorrow that it was there and they're already too busy. They don't want to help. It's way, way more effective. I mean, we can do a blanket call if you want. We can put out an email or put it on the Facebook page or put it in the bulletin. But way, way more effective is with when an individual person approaches another individual person and says, would you be willing to help with? And it's a personal thing that asks the question. Way more helpful. 
How do I share? The, you, solo leaders, as, as, you're, as you're doing a, a ministry and you feel like, oh, I can't even hold all of this. How do I share ownership of this with people? How do I bring people onto the team, not just so that they're serving me, but serving with me and we're doing it together and we have ownership in this together? We've both got skin in the game. He says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. I just thinking about Nympha and the work that she's doing of hospitality and welcoming people and having a church that meets in her house. We have people that, that are hospitable and they're hosting and they're, they're making things possible for us to host in this house. We have people working on facilities and things to, to do the upkeep of this house so that we can meet like this and encourage one another and build one another up and so that the ministries can happen as they need to happen. So that children can learn the gospel and what it means to follow Christ. And they're, do, they're doing that in Awana and they're doing that in children's ministry. But there are facilities people who are making sure that those facilities are appropriate for children. There are administrative people who are making sure that we go through the child safety protocol so that it is safe for the children. And those ministries are all so that the children can be taught and so that they can grow into a full maturity of Christ. Verse 17, he says, And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. We need that encouragement, don't we? You have been called to a ministry in the Lord. Every part of the body of Christ, every individual who is a member of the church is called to a ministry to support the church. Fulfill that ministry. Follow through. Struggle as necessary. Call for help when you need to. Be diligent to fulfill the ministry that you're called to. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. As we are spending our time in the identities of our church, one of the things that we identify as New Life Church is we serve as a team. The expectation is that everybody is serving and that we do that as a team. So after the service, we're going to have some people that are in the uh, lobby that some, they might be raising their hand. They might just be coming up to you and talking to you. Um, but this is a great Sunday if you feel like, I don't know where I could serve or where to begin to get involved, or where else I could serve. This is a great Sunday uh, to do that, to connect with some of those people. And you can expect that there are going to be some people, I gave them license. Ministry leaders, you have license every week to recruit for your ministries. Today, there's a special emphasis and you are helped in that. But you have permission to recruit every week. For the ministry that God has called you to. In future weeks, we will be looking at our other identities. 
uh, our other identity statements. We need the gospel. We live life together. We engage as, ministry, as missionaries. But for this week, would you reflect and think about and ask yourself the question, where am I engaged in ministry? Where am I engaged in service? And is it where God is calling me to be right now? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful that you have called us to be your people and that we participate as the body of Christ. Lord, would you help us to know where and how to serve? May we do it out of delight for you, because of our love for you. May the way that we serve be uh, with joy. Lord, may we also be disciplined to sacrifice and suffer for the sake of the ministry, knowing that, it's, knowing that it is for the good of your church. And may all that we do be for building up of the body of Christ into a full understanding of the wisdom and knowledge that is found in Christ and the fullness of maturity of the people that are here. And we pray this in his name. Amen.